hoe up. Frank, Frank. Headshot. Frank, Frank. Sit down. Frank, Frank. Stand up. Frank, Frank. Pass out. Frank, Frank. Wake up. Frank, Frank. Fade it. Frank, Frank. Fade it. Frank. Now I done grew around some people living their life in bottles. Granddaddy had the golden flash. Backstroke every day in Chicago. Some people like the way it feels. Welcome to 4 for 4.com's DFS MVP. I'm Holden Kushner. He's TJ Hernandez. Episode 133. Before we get started here, is we're about a week away from the NFL season kicking off. TJ, tell us about the music. Swimming Pools, a.k.a. Drink, Kendrick Lamar uh, from the 2012 album Good Kid, Mad City. As always, you could find that intro on the DFS MVP Spotify playlist. Go to Spotify, search DFS MVP, or find me on Twitter when I tweet out the link to the podcast. I'm usually including the link to the Spotify playlist. If you haven't signed up yet for the 4 for 4 subscription, uh, DFS-wise, sign up now. Uh, DFS MVP, the code gets you 25% off. Uh, make sure you only use that for the DFS sub. It will not work for the other subscriptions on 4 for 4. And while you're there, uh, make sure you check out all of the write-ups that we've been doing on Underdog. Underdog is the new place to play fantasy football for real money. Play best ball from your phone or computer. Right now, they're running a $1 million best ball mania tournament. Go to underdogfantasy.com or search Underdog Fantasy in your app store. Use promo code 4 for 4. That's the number 4, F-O-R, the number 4. When you're there, to let them know that we sent you. Uh, check out live streams. I'm doing uh, one, maybe two more of the best ball mania uh, for Underdog on the 4 for 4 Periscope. What a wonderful Periscope it is, TJ. What a wonderful <laughs> yeah. Periscope They're it fun. is. I like, yeah, they are fun. You make, them, you make them fun, too. Uh, for those of you that are new listeners, new DFS players, or just uh, you've been around for a long time, you know what we're doing, right? Here's what we do every week. We give our core plays at every position for the main slate, followed by a theory segment. But since we don't have football yet, next week we'll get into the players. Time to go back in time through the time yeah. machine, huh? Let's get in there. It's like Bill and Ted's part three is out. And <laughs> yeah, this time yeah. they're playing fantasy football. And we're going to recap week one of the 2019 winning DFS lineups. And I know you wrote, you wrote a whole bunch of stuff on this too, didn't you? Yeah, I've written um, articles for FanDuel, DraftKings, and actually we have one for Yahoo as well. Uh, Cash Game and GPP, a 2019 review. Kind of what we did last week with Pat James where we go over uh, the, the winning lineups from the Millionaire. Today we'll talk about uh, FanDuel Sunday Million uh, as well as the Cash Games. Just what's working on the sites uh, just kind of really zeroes in on how people are winning uh, just across the site. All right, so uh, as you know, it's time to talk about your balls. How are they doing mm -hmm. this week, TJ? Um, I would say uh, manicured like a MLB outfield, almost like I use a lawnmower wow. on it. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful visual. Uh, support for DFS MVP is brought to you by Manscaped. Best in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. My life has changed. It is so much easier now to take care of things with my lawnmower it's so yeah. nice and you know what they upgraded to that 7000 rpm motor with the quiet stroke technology that to me is the favorite part tj i love it so trim the junk okay your balls are going to thank you 20 percent off free shipping with a code dfsmvp at manscaped.com dfsmvp manscaped.com 20 percent off free shipping with the code dfsmvp 
at manscaped.com. 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com. Use the code DFSMVP. Uh, football. So how much money is Leonard Fournette going to win us? Good old Lenny. How much is he going to win us in week one now that he's with the Bucks? Before uh, we get into the recap. I'm, I'm going to say, for the, we're, we're recording this as the Leonard Fournette news uh, broke, signing with Tampa Bay. I'm going to say uh, quite a bit because I'll probably be playing the Saints defense. <laughs> that's, that's why Leonard Fournette's going to do well. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. I get it, man. So uh, last week we had a fun talk with Pat James, yeah. who's with four for four, and we talked about the winning trends on DraftKings. And we're not going to repeat what he said, but mm-hmm. let's let's do the focus on FanDuel here. So, what are some additions to what Pat had to say from last week? Well, be- before we get into FanDuel, I just wanted to touch on on some of the things that that he had to say. So Pat went over, uh, he went over DraftKings, went over uh, what's winning in the millionaire in terms of ownership, uh, what's winning in terms of salary, and also uh, he went over uh, some cash games. Basically, the the double ups so are are really easy to. Uh, recap he basically said you want to be searching out single entry games and double ups um in tournaments i just want to add a couple things to what he had to say uh he talked about gpps but he focused in on on the millionaire so um one thing that i wanted to to point out is just some other trends from looking at all of the tournaments uh that were available at least in the in the um the main lobby on DraftKings, the main slate and the 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 general consensus, it's not surprising. Uh, the, the most obvious trend, if you looked at tournaments on DraftKings, the strongest relationship was between average score uh, and the number of entries. Not surprising. The more entries means that, there, that more points were needed to win. Uh, but surprisingly, you actually needed a lower cash line with more entries. So I'll get back to that in a minute. But this is important because... A lot of times people have a certain bankroll. Say you're playing, uh, you have $3 to throw in a tournament um, just based on, on your bankroll management, playing, playing small stakes. And a lot of times you'll go into the lobby and you'll say, all right, I can win 50000 here or I can win 5000 here. I'm playing the one where I can win 50000 Why wouldn't I? Well, look at two tournaments that's offered every week on DraftKings. The play action, which is $3, uh, 20 max entries. 430,000 uh, total entries versus the same buy-in level, $3,000 for the pylon, which is a single entry, caps out at 30,000 entries. The pylon took 16 points fewer to win on average than the play action. So a 30,000 person tournament at the same buy-in level, 16 fewer points. That's literally, obviously, looking at the number of entries, that could be tens if not hundreds of thousands of players, 16 point difference. Um, and Again, that, that makes sense. The more players, the more combinations of lineups. Uh, but also, going back to the point of the more players actually means a lower cash line. So why do we have that? Uh, fewer entries means fewer combinations of lineups. Uh, but they're in smaller fields, like the pylon, players, I think, are probably taking fewer risks. They don't need to be as contrarian. Um, and they're opting for lineup builds that, that are closer to, to optimal, quote-unquote optimal, in terms of, like of a point projection system. So I do think the smaller you get, especially if you get in something that's like 1,000 entries or less, you actually can really lap the field by just being slightly contrarian. Um, so it's interesting that, that these huge tournaments actually have a lower cash line. It's probably just because there's a lot of dead money in there. Uh, Kevin Zatlukel is our data scientist at 444. He ran some numbers for us, and, and he basically quantified exactly what we would expect. He, he ran a regression model through all of these tournaments. 
more or less doubling the number of players in a tournament field adds about 4.1 more points needed for the score required to win. So if you're playing in a 500-person tournament or a 1,000-person tournament, in that 1,000-person tournament, you're going to need four more points. That doesn't sound like a lot, uh, but that could be the difference between – that's the difference in hundreds of lineups. But why aren't we playing cash then? Why aren't we putting our cash lineups in there just to cash every week if the cash line's down a little bit? Yeah, it's it's not down all the way to like the, li- to the line of a double-up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's still – I mean – when you're looking to put your your cash lineup in something with upside, you want really small, like something with uh, like five or ten thousand people in it. You you still want a chance to to, to win the thing. Uh, so a lot of times I'll look at like maybe like a one hundred man for my cash line. If if you can if you can still like if you're playing one dollar and you could find a uh, a one dollar one hundred man. If you're playing one dollar a one hundred dollar win might that might uh, double your bankroll. So it it depends on your stakes and and we're looking at the size of the entries there for the cash um, tournament. Yep. And then we had uh, last week we were talking with Pat. A lot about ownership and salary. Yeah, a lot of things he had to say about that. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, he he broke down uh, the overall um, trends pretty well. I just wanted to add that if we look at the average overall ownership of, of the winning lineups on DraftKings, uh, the average was about 13% if you average out the ownership of, of all the players or about 117% total. So you can either take the average or um, add them all up and get to 117. Either way, you're kind of telling the same story. I, I think it's important to note that because we want to know how contrarian or how chalky our lineup is. If, you're, if your average ownership is getting like above 15 or 16% on DraftKings, it's probably going to be a little too chalky to take down a tournament. In, in general, of course, there's no hard and fast rules. But also, like, how are you getting there? If you have, if you have uh, nine players that all have exactly thirteen percent ownership, that lineup's probably too chalky as well. So, uh, relatively high-owned players with a couple uh, very low ownership players is a better way to get to that average uh, ownership. And I, I think we're going to see some shifts this year. Two shifts specifically in defense and in tight end. Uh, the the talent pool in tight end the last couple of years has been extremely concentrated on uh, on just a few guys. And because of that, we've seen kind of an elevated average ownership percentage in the even like in these biggest tournaments of winning lineups. Where in the past, you can be slightly contrarian at tight end just because it's a high volatility position. We just haven't had a lot of talent. So you really haven't been able to go down to the $3,000 range to find a winner uh, I, I think there's going to be an influx of talent this year. We're going to see it go back to a little bit more of a contrarian approach. And then kind of the same thing for defense, even though uh, like la- we haven't seen as, as long of a history, at least like the last like three or four years like we have with tight end as we did last year. But last year I noted towards the end of the season, we had a ton of games that had spreads of like 10 or more and even multiple in the same week. So, ownership wasn't just like heavy on on one team it was heavy on like three or four teams and then super low on everybody else um again i I don't know if we'll see that again so i think we'll be able to start being way more contrarian at defense than the numbers you'll see in the article final note on DraftKings: uh there was a running back in 11 out of 16 of the winning uh millionaire lineups Uh, there wasn't a millionaire in week 16 so that's why it's 16 not 17 Going into last year, it was close to like a 50-50 split. Uh, I, I think people in the past have just 
assumed wide receivers had a higher ceiling because it's a higher variance position. But um, if if you could find those stud running backs, whether it be expensive or cheap, uh, just impossible to to match. Not just the the floor, but the upside as well. Um, interesting note going into week one, they raised the price of the running back floor. It was three thousand in the past. It's four thousand going into week one. So mm. um, that could have. Uh, some some nuanced influence on our lineups, but I, I don't think we're gonna. It doesn't look like we're recording this. Um, I don't know, ten days before, eight days before Sunday kickoff. I, I don't think we're gonna end up with any like free squares that that's gonna impact. But you never know. You never know. And that never was uh, this is obviously a first week thing because they kind of mm. wanted to level out the free squares. Like if one pops up yeah, between ma- now maybe, and then, maybe we'll see. If if it's still like that in week two, then then I yes. think it becomes a serious talking point. Yes, that will be a big time one. And then you talk about going contrarian at tight end. I mean, I can't tell you many times James O'Shaughnessy has won me money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Once I, I, think, I, I think actually can tell you one time. I think we're going to be back to the to the at least early in the season to the <laughs> O'Shaughnessy's. I think we're going to see the the Dawson Knoxes and the the TJ Hawkinsons and uh, the Gaseckis uh, and the uh, the the Toy is it Toyan the Robert Toyan Robert Tanyan Tanyan um, I think those guys are are going to have some value early on. Well, good. I hope you're right because I will be listening with you and we'll be talking about it. We'll be coming up with some strategery, and you can also have some strategery. Ooh, at Underdog, say hello to your new favorite place to play fantasy football for real money. Underdog Fantasy. They offer season-long best ball contests you can do from your phone or your computer. With best ball, all you got to do is the fun part, and that's draft. Forget about injuries and trades and waivers and setting lineups. Just set it, forget it, wait, and wait for the winnings to come in. On underdog, all you got to do is draft, then your best players get automatically selected every single week. And this year, they got a $1 million tournament. That is huge. That's right. Just draft the best team. You got a shot at winning a million dollars in prizes. Sign up for Underdog today. Enter the best ball mania for the chance at a million dollars in prizes by going to underdogfantasy.com or searching for Underdog Fantasy in your app store. Industry-leading mobile apps and website with constant updates to improve the experience. Simple, free, unlimited withdrawals. Be sure to enter the code 444 after you make your first deposit. TJ's going to be hosting those live drafts twice a week over the next two weeks on 4 for 4 Football. Did I see Jen Akins over there, too? Yeah, and we even had a, a John Paulson pop in. On no. Him. Yeah, so we're bringing out the, the big guns for the last week of the wow. season. Wow. I didn't see Paulson. I saw Jen on there. I was like, oh, gosh, how do I get on the show? But, Listen, uh, if, if you still have a fantasy draft, I mean, a lot of people, their last draft day is probably Sunday or Monday. Hop on, on Saturday, and we're probably going to give a lot of uh, free information away while we're drafting. So it's, I think it's a good, uh, a good little tool. I like it. Hey, let's get into this here. Uh, we were recapping what we saw in week one in 2019, trying to apply that to 2020. And let's talk about FanDuel, TJ. What did you find? We start with cash games. Yeah. Uh, so what, what Pat James went over last week, uh, was double ups. He looked at single entry versus multi-entry on DraftKings. I looked at all of the featured double ups on FanDuel, uh, from week one through 17. And that these are the main ones in the feature lobby. Um, uh, I basically did the same thing he did. So the reason you don't hear a lot of these breakdowns for FanDuel is because a lot of FanDuel doesn't 
release their data like DraftKings. Uh, DraftKings, um, there's a couple of sites, shout out to Roto-Grinder, shout out to Fantasy Labs, where you can just go back and basically get any contest for DraftKings. You can't do that for FanDuel. You have to enter these games. So I pulled all, all of my data and was able to, to find the numbers on all these things um, because I spent too much money playing DFS. No, because but, there uh, was COVID and you <laughs> legitimately had nothing better to do off season. Yeah. So this will be your biggest year of all time in DFS. I, I hope so. I hope so. Um, the findings were, were basically what um, Pat James found. Actually, not quite as extreme on FanDuel as it was on DraftKings, but the lesson remained the same. Uh, multi-entry cash lines were higher than single-entry cash lines. So, for example, at the $2 level, the average cash line in a multi-entry double up, 135.4. The average cash line in a single-entry uh, double up, 133.46. So basically a two-point difference, not a humongous difference, but if you can't afford to play 20 or 150 lineups, whatever the cap is in a multi-entry game, there's no point into doing it. You're just like giving yourself a lower chance to win. That two points could make a difference if there's 10,000 people in a tournament. What's important, FanDuel, and this is especially if you're a relatively new player, they offer beginner-only contests at the $1 and $2 dollar level for these double ups uh the cash line remember i said for single entries was 133.4 for at the same buying level at two dollar level 123.55 so 10 points lower than the single entry games 12 points lower than the multi-entry game so if you qualify for beginner games it's a lower rake um lower competition it, it seems intuitive but uh people look over them or forget about it look for those be beginner games if you qualify if you play higher stakes at the $25 level we see a really big difference the difference between the multi-entry double ups and the single entry double ups is almost four points so it's a no-brainer at the $25 level and a lot of people high stakes $50 and $100 um, the the cash lines are lower, but I think that's just because there's a smaller player pool. Uh, you are getting smaller rake, but one thing that's worth noting, if you do have the bankroll to play at these higher stakes double-ups on FanDuel, a lot of them didn't fill up. And we talk about looking for overlay uh, in GPPs, but it goes for any guaranteed contest, and some of these are guaranteed. Sometimes, if, say, there's 100 people, they only got 80 or 90 in the tournament, and some of them are guaranteed. So... It's a double up. It's paying out 50 out of 100 people. But if only 90 sh sh uh, show up, it's paying out 50 out of 90. So even if you have tougher, tougher competition, even if the, um, the cash line might be higher, it's a lower rake and you're getting a bigger rake reduction, reduction because they don't fill. So pay attention to that. If you can afford to play higher stakes, look for overlay on these smaller double ups. How long have you noticed that's been going on on the 50 and hundreds? Um, since COVID started. And oh, so again, research. yeah, just I didn't realize. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was kind of just playing because they, f some of them fill early in the week and they, they don't um, offer them a lot. So I usually throw my cash lineup into a fifty or one hundred, but a lot of times it'll just be one available at a time, maybe two available at a time. So it's something you want to keep your eye on throughout the week. Um, so, so what I'm guessing is if one fills up, maybe one or two fill up a day at that level, like Saturday night or Sunday morning, be keeping an eye on ones that, that might not have filled. All right, very good. You know, this will be the first year in like five years I don't do a show leading up to lock, and mm. I cannot wait. 
to just try and clean up there on some overlay. It's like, going to feel good. Yeah, it's something I haven't had a chance to do. And uh, since I've been doing this show, I'll tell you that much. Well, maybe I snuck away one or two times <laughs> yeah, over the last sure. years. But for the most part, I haven't been able to. All right, so you ran down the double-ups. What about head-to-heads? Yep. Any difference there? Yeah, again, head-to-heads, uh, something even no matter what site you're on, kind of hard to pull data on so so you might get some varying numbers if, if you don't play my exact opponents are the same number of games but um, I pulled over 2,000 games from the one dollar to five dollar level that I played last year the average winning score 143.9 the average overall score 150 uh, 135.8 so you might if you have been listening you might notice the average winning score for a head-to-head is 144, and the average score uh, for a double-up is 135. Why the hell would I play a? Um, why the hell would I ever play head-to-head if it's 10 points higher? You have to understand if we're looking at all of the winning scores for head-to-heads, so it's averaging out like all of those high outlier scores. Uh, whereas with the double ups or the 50-50s, we're only looking at the minimum score to cash. Uh, so actually that overall average in head-to-heads, 135, that's actually kind of on on par with the double ups or 50-50s. So um, there's not necessarily sharper lineups uh, in head-to-heads. Uh, I just want people to understand why the average is driven up there. But it does drive home the point, something we've talked about in the past, uh, that if you are playing high volume head-to-heads, if you're playing hundreds of head-to-heads at a time, there is some incentive to to building or at least not avoiding some volatility in your lineup. So if you have a uh, a cash lineup and you're worried about playing a quarterback with the wide receiver because it lowers their floor, if you have a ceiling that the only way you're going to sweep your head-to-heads and like beat 99 out of 100 people is to have a big week. Um, so it's okay to do that in head-to-heads. One thing that I did notice when I looked at the distribution of these scores, of these averages in head-to-heads, there was a spike. I I broke it down by five-point increments. There was a spike a little bit below the average. So it wasn't a perfectly smooth distribution. In fact, roughly 60% of the players in in my sample, it's only 2,000 games, but I think it's a decent sample, were scoring fewer than 140 points. So, uh, So there was... A, a lot of people below that overall average, more than 50%. You would think it'd be exactly 50% at the average. It wasn't. Uh, so if you're consistently building lineups that are winning these uh, these double-ups and you're thinking about playing head-to-heads, most likely the scores you're putting up in these double-ups or, or 50-50s are going to be profitable over the long run in these head-to-heads. And if you have the bankroll and you're winning there, you could probably take the leap uh, to head-to-heads based on the distribution of scores in my sample last year. Uh, Very good. So you were talking about tracking all the Sunday millions, right? And you went back in 2019, Mm -hmm. and you legitimately looked through all 16 million entries, right? All 16 million entries. Well, I went through the winners. Just the winners? Oh, I thought you actually spent time on this, TJ. No, I don't have 16 million you had time over this covid thing so what did you find though in all seriousness <laughs> from these winners um, just the winners uh so it's gonna parrot a lot of what pat said but a lot of people if they only play Fanduel, they might have tuned out might not have listened at all so the average overall ownership uh, of winning lineups was 13.8 uh average or 
124.4 total. So actually slightly higher than DraftKings. Remember, it was uh, 13% overall average or 117 um, if we added them all up. So the notable differences on FanDuel came at wide receiver 2, wide receiver 3, and tight end. That's where we saw uh, the the ownership positions at, at um, the ownership by position a little higher on FanDuel. And I think the function, it's because that FanDuel has slightly looser salaries you're able to build uh, a stud lineup a little bit easier so it doesn't make sense to go after these insane dart throws as your wide receiver two or your wide receiver three um, you can you can go with a slightly higher owned more popular guy just because you can build these stud lineups we still need to have the highest scoring players and more often than not a, a guy that is in nine percent of lineups is probably going to score a lot more than a guy that's in 2% of lineups because, um, in general, ownership is going to have a, some correlation with scoring because people are going to be on the better plays. People are just sharper. So you don't have to go all the way down to these 1% or 2% plays, um, especially on FanDuel. You, you can uh, you can be a, a little more chalky than you might expect. And, and if we look at how those ownership percentages are distributed, uh, it supports that. On, on average, only four players under 10% in each winning lineup, quarterback, wide receiver three, flex, and defense. And two of those being the quarterback and, and defense, we would expect those numbers um, uh, to be under 10% anyway. Uh, so really only like wide receiver three and flex are the only two players that, that we're generally going to see higher ownership on because you have so many options for them uh, that were really low. But at the same time, four players on average with uh, ownership percentage of 15%, or higher, so a lot of people again not going with that even distribution of uh, of chalkier contrarian, kind of going with a, a high low strategy there. I, I tell you, there's one strategy I'm going in this week or this yeah. year, I should say, and it'll just be for lower stakes. But mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna leave salary on the table and see if I can get contrarian that way. If I want to go really chalky with a lineup, maybe it's my cash lineup, and I'll swap out a stud maybe to pivot to something else. I think in GPPs, that might be something that I'm doing. And that brings up to your next point. How were people allocating the salary last year? Because if we're, you know, if guys are just looking to play players that because they're going to be one or 2%, that they're just different. I don't know if that gives you that much of an edge. Maybe leaving salary on the table could. How are they allocating it? Hold on. If you tell me you're going to do that, I'm going to tell you don't do that. Why? Because uh, looking at these winners, um, of the 17 Sunday Million winners, nine of them used all 60,000. Five of them uh, used 59,900, only left $100 on the table. One left $200 on the table, one left $400 on the table, one left 500. So only in the biggest tournament that FanDuel offers every week, only two out of 17 winners used more uh, you left more than $200 on the table. Yeah. None left more than 500 And if you really think about it, it's not that surprising. that If you're playing on the main slate, there's so many lineup combinations, and salary is generally pretty reflective of players' expectations that it's probably just thinking one level too far. If you stick with thinking about it on an ownership level and thinking about how you're allocating your lineup in terms of ownership projections, which I think we do a really good job of at 444. We've had third-party people like track ownership versus actual ownership, and we always rank very highly against other sites. Uh, That's going to give you the best indication of how to be contrarian. Now, if you look at something like the most extreme game 
a showdown or um, or the the any single game uh, game on, uh, contest on on FanDuel, you see a ton of people leaving salary on the table because there's just less options. It's one of the only ways to be contrarian. So I, th I, I think I haven't run the numbers on this, but just thinking about those two extremes, thinking out loud here a little bit, the, the fewer games in the slate that you're playing, the more likely you should be to leave money on the table and the higher the amount of money you should be leaving on the table. So maybe if you're playing like only 4 p.m. Uh, slate or like a primetime slate or that when we get to Thanksgiving, I think those are the slates where you want to be leaving maybe like a thousand dollars on the table. So you just saved me 85 cents because I'm no longer playing <laughs> okay. the nickel arcade. For I, I, I just don't, I don't think you need to be, um, I don't think it's something you should even really be like thinking about or forcing. I mean, if I guess if you're playing a hundred lineups and they all have all 60,000, make a couple that don't um but like i wouldn't set your lineup generator on a full slate to like leave six hundred dollars on the table do you use the lineup generators i mean i know a lot of people do and we have a good one um, yeah we i mean yeah. we've had a we've had a ton of discussion about it this off season right we had a levitan that that's a pretty hard no on them uh pat james doesn't use them often i know you don't use them and it sounds like like a, a knock on a tool but you just got to think about the players that we've been talking about. Like, why are they using them? How are they using them? Are they using them properly? And a lineup generator, it's like Levitan was talking about a couple of weeks ago. It's an optimizer. It's based on projections. Our projections are fantastic. But your top 150 lineups, the variance in those, oftentimes the difference is, might be only three points of 150 lineups. So just like decimal points of, of players are changing the value of who gets in there. And if you change one player's projection by two points, you're going to get 150, if not thousands of more lineups. So if I'm only playing one lineup on each side, or even like five or 10 lineups on each side, I'm, I'm building by hand. I'm, I'm starting the week off with the lineup. As soon as I see salaries doing all my research, like trying to figure out who I think, makes the most sense just by doing my research, looking at, at the numbers and not running it through a generator. That alone is probably going to get you, even from a contrarian standpoint, get you to be a very contrarian lineup because your natural thinking isn't always going to reflect the consensus. And by Sunday, the reason we have players that are 40, 50% owned is because you can go to five lineup generators and five of them are gonna have the same like top 10 values. Um, so I use it to check blind spots if I'm if I'm playing high stakes single entry if I'm only playing cash I want to see did I miss a very obvious value um, because the projections will tell you that and then when I am playing 20 30 100 lineups um, in a tournament as as I will do once in a while I'm, I'm using it not to tell me what 150 lineups to play but to to manage it like without my my brain exploding so say i want a hundred uh a hundred lineups i'll set my lineup generator four four lineup generator to give me 20 with aaron Rodgers and build my player pool uh around like the the packers wide receivers make sure they're my my main players in that stack like narrow down my player pool oftentimes our player pool it should be 20 30 if you're playing 150 lineups maybe 50 players so it's not that hard just to like lock in a couple stacks throw in your player pool and say i only want 20 laps so i'll do my 20 aaron Rodgers lineups throw those in 
get my 20, whatever it is, uh, Josh Allen lineups. So I think that's how you should use it. Just hitting it, taking out the top lineup, or hitting it, taking the top 150 lineups, that's how you use it and lose. Um, you just gotta, you're telling software how to help you. Um, so yes, that's a long way of saying I use them. All right, cool. Um, I'm, I'm, what, three or four lineups a week. Uh, this, yeah, I mean, that, then that's it. And you, I build them by hand and, yeah. but we've had guys that won ton of money, subscribers that want a ton of money using the optimizer. Hey, Hey, the, the optimizer is going to put the, and it's because we put out good projections. We mm -hmm. really do. And if you go to four, four and you hit optimize and you take the first lineup, you know, that lineup on average is probably going to do pretty good. You're probably, if you put that lineup in, 100 head-to-heads every single week you're probably lessening your chance of having like crazy huge outlier season you're probably like maxing out as a prof as a profitable player um but there's so many people doing that same thing that you're even in cash games you're just not really giving yourself a chance to to be different or really think it through um nfl isn't basketball in basketball you could probably do that every week and crush um well obviously you have minutes but i'm just saying it from like a, a stats and minutes perspective like our projections are going to be almost perfect in basketball football they just aren't ever did i just get basketball tj is that <laughs> what happened talking about minutes oh my god this is amazing like snaps minutes <laughs> tj yeah. who are you man I we have know, one man. off season off i've had a, i've had a lot of downtime you are a different dude so <laughs> uh <laughs> so we got an overall idea of what people are doing with ownership now yeah and we got the salary too we know the salary yeah. so what does it mean for every single position sure so i mean just a quick summary of, of what i found and you could go to the site and get um, a comprehensive breakdown of all these but uh, the, the lessons aren't surprising. It's really just putting numbers to our, to the things that are intuitive, to the things we talk about on a weekly level, zooming out and understanding what these mean. So if we look at the, how salaries were distributed across every position and how ownerships were uh, distributed across position, even in, even in the biggest tournaments, at quarterback, what do we know? Even if you play redraft, scoring is flat at quarterback. Scoring is very replaceable at quarterback. Because of that, we see a very smooth curve in terms of salary and in terms of ownership. Sometimes it's a cheap quarterback, sometimes mid-price, sometimes high-price. Sometimes it's chalk, sometimes it's kind of chalk, sometimes it's contrarian. So the idea is if you're playing multiple uh, lineups, like don't go all chalk, don't go all contrarian at quarterback. Like, like find out the teams or the games you like, build around offenses, build around stacks, um, and sometimes be like just spread it out at quarterback. It's 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 not uh, it's not as nuanced as we think sometimes. And and same with running back. At running back, we're paying for volume, and that volume is usually very predictable. So on FanDuel, we've seen it's profitable to pay up not just for one running back to pay up for multiple running backs even if they are going to be very chalky if we look at the numbers um in the article i wrote up the i mean oftentimes the winner of the biggest tournament is like near 30 percent the rb2 over 15 sometimes near 20 percent and then usually it's another running back in the flex uh and that guy is usually around eight to ten percent um so pay pay for that volume wide receiver uh it's it's kind of a uh chicken or egg situation since we're spending so much at running back it's often hard to even try to spin up a wide receiver and then if you do you're missing out at on those 
like weak winning running backs. So winning lineups uh, rarely featured uh, wide receivers that were priced as like a top tier. When I say top tier, I mean like not top 12, but like top five or six option. Those guys were, were rarely uh, in lineups just because you're, you're just allocating so much salary to one very high variance, not even position, but one high variance player. But we saw a lot of winning lineups pay for at least two top 24 options. So we're seeing a, a little bit where the, the salaries are very spiked at running back. We're seeing a little bit of a, a smoother uh, distribution among the wide receivers. So not too high, not too low, uh, just right. And then the same thing that I said about uh, DraftKings, hangs uh in the balance this year for for Fanduel. i i just just looking at how things worked last year i, I think tight end was way out of whack the average ownership in winning lineups last year for tight end was 15 percent wow. on Fanduel. that's insanely high like it's just such a high variance position and again i i think that has a lot to do with the fact that salaries are just wide open on Fanduel, and a lot of times you can afford to get to an andrews or a kittle where on DraftKings it's just hard to do that and then defense 10%. That's really high for a position that a, a lot of people just often aren't like no defense is usually going to command a like a 20% ownership, but last year we saw it a few times. I just don't think we're going to see as many teams um like up by uh, or not up but favored by 10 and then just blowing out these teams even when they are favored that big i, th I think spreads are going to come back down to normal i did like a mini research on on twitter if if you go on my twitter and just like search vegas from tj hernandez you could find it um but the the number of teams that were favored by 10 was so out of whack last year compared to the last decade so i think we're going to see way more contrarian options this year at both positions yeah i remember that now it was just yeah, it, was, every it, was, it, was, it was really the ravens and the patriots that was and, and the chiefs like all three of them they were favored by 10 and the 49ers too they were all favored by 10 like every single every week. week and one of those four were hitting every week so it was i mean patriots had a run where i think they were had like 20 points for like the first six weeks of the season so that threw out of, out of whack a lot too um we're, we're not going to see that again this year I, I would put a lot of money on it i remember the patriots defense just going mm -hmm. bananas at the beginning yeah, that's of last I mean. year that's right yeah. that's what it was man they yeah, were crazy and, and i think ravens hit one time as like a 40 yep. percent shock i think the niners hit one time as like a as a 22 percent shock or something so um we're just not going to see that happen again this year all right, so let's talk about stacking real quick. Yeah. In our game theory segments, we do that sometimes. We talk about yeah. stacking. I love it. I want to know more about stacking. So did you come up with any notes during your COVID research? <laughs> Stop calling it COVID research. What do you DFS mean? What are, this is, you know, you, you're not leaving the place. Uh, it's COVID research. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I did do this in April, so it's pretty, pretty p pitiful. Um, but uh, we, we had Pat talking about stacks last week. He talked about primary stacks, how many teams used a quarterback wide receiver stack, and then how many teams uh, ran it back with a player from the other team. So I'm not going to recap that, but, to add to what Pat had to say, and I think this is probably, in all of my research, the, the most um, underrated and the thing, at least early in the season, that will be the least talked about thing that's going to win you GPPs. Um, in addition to all of those, basically every team used the stack on DraftKings. Every team in every tournament uses a stack. It's almost impossible. Um, in addition to that, eight of the 16 winners half of the winners used a second stack so not a second stack from the same game not a, a third or fourth player from the same team a completely different 
team stack. So they had a say they had a quarterback, wide receiver, tight end from one game. Then they ran it back with like a running back and defense from a completely different game, or a running back tight end, or a, a tight end defense, or a wide receiver with an opposing wide receiver. Eight teams did a second stack. Two more teams used a third stack. So correlation from three different games. Only three of the millionaire winners last year had just two correlated players on their team. So basically, 15 out of 17 winners used a quarterback wide receiver stack plus some other player with correlation. Um, on FanDuel, the, the numbers were basically the same. I actually ran these numbers a couple weeks ago, and I couldn't find links to the last two Sunday millions. So I got I only have 15 weeks of data on this, but the points are going to remain the same. Um in 12 of the 15 Sunday millions that I had uh, data for last year, 12 of those winners used at least three players from the same game. Seven of them that already used three players ran it back with another player from the other team. So seven, 12 players, 12 winners had at least three players from one game. Seven had at least four from one game. And then 13 out of 15 used a second stack. So again, like a defense or a, and a tight end from a completely different game. And then three more used a third stack. And on FanDuel, only one winner had just two players that were correlated with each other. Every other one um, had more. So on average, DraftKings winners had four and a half players with some correlation to mm. another player. On FanDuel, on average, 5.3 correlated players uh, in each winning lineup. So if you find a quarterback wide receiver stack and you're like, oh, they're going to tear it up. I don't need any other players from this game. I got Rodgers. I got uh, Devontae. They're going to ball. I win. It's just unlikely to happen. You, the, the, the theme for this year is going to be targeting multiple games, finding four or five games you like, using that as your core for tournaments, um, and, and just building in as much correlation as possible and using that to diversify. Uh, a lot of these second stacks were like a running back with a wide receiver on the other team or a wide receiver with a wide receiver on the other team, running back defense. Surprisingly, tight end with their own defense showed up a couple times, which kind of supports some old research we've done at four for four. Um, but I just found that really fascinating that so many people weren't just looking at one game. They targeted like two or three games and, and got that into their lineup. That's it. You did it, man. You got through it. And uh, we yeah. just about got through the off season. If we, yeah, man, we this drops what tomorrow. So it will be a week away from the NFL season uh, once this drops. And if you're listening to it later in the week, then we're even closer. It's here. It's happening. It's amazing. I'm just I'm so thankful to this point that we just haven't had any hiccups. You know, Major League Baseball has and those yeah. guys. The, the difference is they start traveling to different cities. That's where I'm going to get a little nervous about it. But, yeah. You know, I and, mean, and well, you know, we really haven't talked about is, you know, COVID like. How are you going to handle when guys get scratched out of this? But I think it's basically like any other injury. The difference is, is, is that it might be Sunday morning or late Saturday night. Even even if it is, I mean, it's it's going to be it's going to be no different than a player warm up. Schefter's we're going to get a Schefter bomb at mm -hmm. at, at four or five a.m. Um, you're still going to have plenty of time to adjust. Nobody's going to be ruled out due to COVID um, five minutes before lock. the The only thing that we can really do this year is maybe leave yourself a couple outs for the 4 p.m. Because if...
players get to the stadium three hours before the game and they test walking into the stadium, as soon as lineups are locking, somebody in the 4 p.m. game could be ruled out. So, I mean, even then, it's like there, there's only so much you could do. You still have to build the best lineup. Um, but I, I guess keeping that in the back of your head. Mm -hmm. But we're just not going to have – I mean, we're going to have enough time to adjust. I mean, it's going to suck. It's going to be a scramble. Um, we're, we're, we're hopefully, fingers crossed, I want to make promises, supposed to be having some kind of commu communication channel for subscribers with myself on Sunday morning. Um, so hopefully that will help. Yep. All right. That's great. Can't wait. Let's get it going. Next week's our first show. Why don't you tell them about signing up because we got some giveaways. Yeah, man. We got uh, we have a ton going on. Everything you guys are used to at 4 for 4. Um, all of the content myself uh, with Holden for the podcast every single week. Uh, we have uh, Denny Carter taking on a big role in, in our DFS content, which is really exciting. Mike Wallert coming back. Tim Talmadge coming back. Pat James coming back. Um, if you want to sign up, get access to it now. The promo code is DFSMVP. That'll get you 25% off the DFS sub. You want to get that uh, before that Thursday lock next week. So uh, if you wait till next week's podcast and then hear the promo code, remember, you're already going to have missed a whole slate because it's probably going to be after Thursday uh, full slate lock. So make sure you get that. Make sure you follow all of us on Twitter, Holden at Holden Radio, 444 at 444 Football, and myself at TJ Hernandez. We'll be back with week one extravaganza. If I take another one down, I'ma drown in some poison, abusing my limit. I think that I'm feeling the vibe. I see the love in her eyes. I see the feeling of freedom is granted as soon as the damage of vodka arrived. This how you capitalize. This is parental advice, and apparently I'm over influenced by what you are doing. I thought I was doing the most that someone said to me. Why you babysitting on exactly?